Welcome to The Big Picture, formerly the AdWoke Podcast. It is no longer the AdWoke Podcast. It is The Big Picture. You see the updated art if you're looking at it on uh, Apple, uh, the podcast store on Apple. And I am putting together the final pieces on The Big Picture with Brett Craig. This is my new show, which will be in a video format as well as a podcast. It'll be released in February. So The Big Picture will be, again, a podcast, but also a show on YouTube and Rumble. and will be delivered via Substack and basically all the things, in other words, all the ways that you can get it. Uh, and so please subscribe to the YouTube and Rumble channel. Uh, uh, links are below uh, here. In the Substack or on Apple, you'll see the links. But subscribe, and uh, you know, because uh, uh, it is coming in early February. I'm really excited about it, and and the production values of it are going to be quite uh, extensive and quite rich. So the person that I've hooked up with, uh, a producer who has quite a lot of experience, is really trying to bring some scale to this. So I'm really excited. So that is coming. But today, I just had this burning desire to talk to you guys about an issue, which is this issue. The fact that we're increasingly not allowed to ask certain questions. Have you noticed this? Uh, And and the catalyst for this podcast is the incident that occurred with NFL player DeMar Hamlin. Uh, His shocking cardiac arrest on the field after suffering a solid hit to the chest. And then what I saw was the resulting conversation that ensued in social media and in mainstream media afterwards. And, And the first thing I want to say... I've been praying for DeMar. I know millions of people have. It's been amazing to watch. And that is the most important thing, that he get better. And from everything that I hear about DeMar Hamlin, it just seems like he's a great guy. And it seems like he is loved by his teammates and just by people in general. So everything that you hear about DeMar Hamlin is just like he just seems like a great guy. So we just pray for him and pray that he'll fully recover. I haven't heard any updates lately. After yesterday, it sounded like he stabilized a bit, but still very much not out of the woods. but So that's important to say. But my, but my point today in regards to DeMar Hamlin's situation is not to say I know or anyone knows what happened exactly to DeMar Hamlin. The point of this podcast today is to point out what I see as a troubling pattern of a rush to judgment in the establishment and corporate media where a consensus narrative is formed. Uh, in this case, the official narrative and explanation seems to be and this is where it's centered mostly, commotio cordis. And if I've got that pronunciation wrong, I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it that way. I'm not a doctor. Uh, but commotio cordis uh, is the dominant explanation. And I've heard it pronounced a bunch of different ways, but that's the way I'm going to say it on this podcast. So forgive me. Uh, and again, I'm no doctor, but apparently commotio cordis can be caused by a sharp strike to the chest. And it's an incredibly rare phenomenon, like really rare, a phenomenon that usually happens in kids or teens, I guess, that have undeveloped thoraxes, from what I can find, uh, when the condition is explained or the phenomenon is explained. Average age of the instance of when it happens, uh, the person's usually 15, and it often happens in baseball because the blow has to be very specific by a, and sometimes like a, a small object like a baseball or a puck in hockey. Uh, it has to hit the chest in a very narrow window, a little space on the chest. Uh, and during a certain part of the heart cycle to induce this very rare event, which is basically like a cardiac arrest. So the early consensus opinion is that commotio cordis is what happened to NFL player DeMar Hamlin Monday night. And if you're not a football fan, 
I apologize. I don't even watch the NFL anymore, but I did see this play. Most of the world, I think, is beginning to see this play because it's, it's so shocking to watch. And DeMar Hamlin is 24 years old. He is in the peak condition of his life. And this hit to his chest during the game uh, resulted in a cardiac arrest. And, of course, we see DeMar uh, take a shot to the chest in the playback. It's easy to find online if you want to watch it. And, again, uh, maybe I'll post it in the show notes, too. And, again, Camosio Cordis uh, is the dominant explanation for what we're seeing because he stands up and he collapses. And it can happen in sports, and according to all the literature and science, it's well known. Uh, And again, it usually happens in uh, baseball, apparently. Uh, Usually in younger folks, again, and these younger folks have undeveloped muscles and thoraxes and chest development according to the descriptions of this rare, uh, rare accident or phenomenon that can occur in sports. My point today is not to suggest I know the answer to what happened to DeMar Hamlin, and I don't like hot takes. We don't know the answer. No one does. And maybe we'll find out, although I question whether we ever will. But commotio cordis, it's, it's, it's just this phenomenon. It's worth pointing out from what I can find, has never happened in the NFL's 100-year history. Again, this is from what I can find online, and I would imagine it would have been brought up if there were other instances we would have uh, heard that by now. There is one other recorded attack, heart attack, in the NFL in 1971. It was Charles Hughes, an NFL player. Charles Hughes dies from a heart attack on the field, but it wasn't commotio cordis. It wasn't a sharp hit to the chest. In DeMar's case, uh, even the hit to the chest when you watch the playback, which is why they are suggesting it's commotio cordis, that's the dominant narrative I keep talking about as the cause, the hit appears fairly moderate as hits go, if there is such a thing as a moderate hit in the NFL, because all hits are these insane athletes that move extremely fast and hit very hard. But it's, it's not the hit is not something we don't see uh, in every other play in pro football or college football, we, we see this kind of hit all the time, which is why the collapse was so shocking. It was so shocking to everybody that saw it. You know, Hamlin gets up, he claps, uh, sorry, he claps his hands, and then he collapses. And many people will point out the commotio cordis in videos that circulate online can look like that. It, there's this momentary delay before the collapse. So all that seems consistent with this notion of commotio cordis. But my real concern with the DeMar Hamlin story is what happened afterwards. And that's what I want to talk about today. When some suggested, often uh, very, um, uh, very carefully and delicately online, because I don't think it was uh, – there, there, obviously there are some people that say things that are, are not very careful or delicate. But some suggested, some prominent thinkers out there, pundits, that this could be related to the mRNA vaccines that have been basically – I think pretty much mandated in the NFL. And I want to talk about the fact that these people were instantly shamed. And anybody who even suggested the vaccine might be on the table for consideration as some kind of contributing factor or that it might be related to this event was instantly just shame mobbed. Um, And I saw it happening Monday night. I saw it happening Tuesday. And it it really bothered me. And what, what bothers me about this and this is what I want to talk about today, is I see this disturbing pattern that keeps happening. And it goes like this. Some high-profile news story or event will occur in the media or in the world, and a few people will ask questions about this instant narrative that is formed by the corporate media about the said high-profile event, like, 
It could be any event. It could be, say, like the 2016 election or the 2020 election. Or here's another random example, the noose that was supposedly hanging in Bubba Watson's NASCAR garage. Or it could be about an experimental vaccine that somehow is instantly deemed safe and effective without long-term data. Or maybe it's about what we saw on, for instance, January 6th. It was an insurrection, not a riot. Don't let your eyes fool you. What you saw was an insurrection. Um, It doesn't matter what the narrative really is. I'm just using those as examples. What we see is that the narrative is formed instantly. It's pushed in concert by all corporate media. And if you have any questions about these consensus narratives that instantly emerge, the name calling begins. You are a horrible person questioning these official narratives. Because, of course, in the case of Damar Hamlin, the elephant in the room in his collapse is the NFL vaccination policy and the reality that the number one side effect of the mRNA vaccines is myocarditis, specifically in young men. Young men. But that is just not allowed to be mentioned. It won't be mentioned by the NFL. Uh, the media won't go near it. And anyone who does mention it, and we've already seen this, as even a possibility that should be at least put on the table... If they suggest that the vaccine or its possible side effects should be considered, these people are instantly attacked and the name calling begins. This, again, is what I want to talk about today. Have you noticed we're not supposed to ask questions today about anything we're told about these big kind of notable events. There's this magic no-go zone that is drawn around event after event, news story after news story. And if you breach that zone with a question, You will be called the worst names. Your character will be impugned. You will be said to be an ist or a phobe, an anti-vaxxer, a conspiracy theorist. You fill in the blank. And the goal always seems to be the same with these attacks, to shut down all conversation and all questions. And it's happening more and more about more and more topics. Have you noticed this? And this, to me is a new phenomenon. I'm, I'm 51. I don't know if I'm supposed to be giving my age away, but I don't really care. And I don't remember this happening in earnest until the last five to six years in America. And it's getting worse. What is going on? So the suppression of legitimate questions that I see happening, this whole sort of mechanism works like this. And the DeMar Hamlin cardiac arrest on the field Monday night, last Monday night, is a prime example Commotio Cordis, it instantly emerges as the establishment narrative. Basically, all mainstream media appear to instantly agree, uh, even though they're just watching tape like the rest of us, uh, and they don't really have any other details that any other anybody else has, so they don't have any special information. They all appear to instantly agree and push this as the reason behind the event. And I must have saw a dozen articles about Commotio Cordis Tuesday morning from the mainstream media and again this morning. And it, and it, and, um, it becomes instant consensus slash explanation. And then any question about that consensus narrative is grounds for saying you are a bad person for simply asking a question about this instantly formed consensus narrative that often has scant or questionable evidence, but we're told in so many words, always told, accept the narrative we give you, shut up, shut your mouth, or there will be hell to pay. That's essentially the implied message. And this is becoming a pattern in the culture. The reaction to DeMar Hamlin's collapse is just the latest example. And the questions that are being stifled 
usually have a solid basis for being asked. And in this case, there's grounds for asking the question about Damar Hamlin and his collapse, given that commotio cordis has never happened in the NFL's history, from what I can find. At least it's not been documented. And look, there is a first time for everything. So it's possible commotio cordis is the explanation. But given the problems that we now know exist with the mRNA vaccines, particularly myocarditis and heart attacks, and even the Pfizer trial data itself showed this as an adverse reaction, myocarditis. Um, You can look that up, uh, but it's quite suppressed. Uh, But the trial data isn't good, and perhaps that's why Pfizer tried to suppress the trial data and not have it released for 75 years. But a judge actually forced them to release the data via the Freedom of Information Act, and the data turns out it wasn't good. And of course, the media suppressed it and ignored it. In any case, the point being, if you ask the obvious, the elephant in the room, that the vax might, and I'm saying might, I don't know. No one knows for sure, but suggest it might have contributed to Mar. Hamlin's heart attack, and you'll be called insensitive, quote-unquote, or something far worse. You are cynically advancing your anti-vax agenda, they will say. You are politicizing the situation. And I find that particular accusation really rich, as everything, everything is politicized today, especially by the mainstream media. And it's such gaslighting, especially because the establishment consensus is doing exactly what they're accusing you of doing. It's pushing an agenda. It's nudging you all the time. It's pushing a narrative they want to promote. In the case of DeMar Hamlin, the narrative of the NFL and all corporate media, who seems to be bought by a combination of Big Pharma and Big Gov, their narrative is what happened to DeMar is anything but a result of a certain very new experimental mRNA injection that NFL players were asked to take, quite coercively, I would add, And I think 100% of the NFL personnel took, and most players took. And I think the Buffalo Bills were especially resolute on the vaccine issue, insisting players took the vax, although some players, one on the Buffalo Bills I know of, Cole Beasley, did not take the vaccine. And we don't know if Hamlin did receive the shot or how many boosters he's got. And another thing that is, is worrisome about all this is we can't seem to get that information so far which a lot of people have pointed out that's kind of troubling because if the answer is he hasn't had a booster in a while, he hasn't had the shot, or maybe he had one shot, whatever, you would think that we would hear that immediately because then all this chatter about the vaccine playing some role in DeMar Hamlin's collapse, that would go away immediately. So the corporate media clearly have their own narrative, right? They're pushing this narrative with very little proof other than what we've seen on the tape which everybody's seen the same tape. But if you call them on rushing to judgment, putting forth a narrative for what happened to DeMar Hamlin, which is commotio cortis or just a cardiac arrest, uh, kind of unexplained, and I guess we'll find out more soon. But if you question that, that, that particular wrapping on the story, you're the one cynically promoting your political views, your anti-vax agenda. And, and here's just some of the headlines from corporate media. media. So you, you can tell me, uh, is, is it the people, so-called anti-vaxxers, that are just asking the question, people like me, who are rushing to judgment, or is it the media that is rushing to judgment on this? LA Times, here's their headline. COVID-19 vaccines almost certainly didn't cause Damar Hamlin's cardiac arrest. Here's what may have. Washington Post, here's their headline. 
the inevitable grotesque effort to blame vaccines for DeMar Hamlin's collapse. So if you question this, you're grotesque. And here from the conservative Washington Examiner, because increasingly I've realized in my life, conservative and Republican means nothing. So from the conservative Washington Examiner, the head, this headline, stop blaming the COVID-19 vaccine for DeMar Hamlin's cardiac arrest. Well, I could easily turn that on the Washington Examiner and say, stop blaming the COVID-19, sorry, the collapse of DeMar Hamlin's, uh, DeMar Hamlin on a cardiac arrest that has nothing to do with the COVID-19 vaccine, because that's actually what you're doing. Okay. Fortune said this, blaming DeMar Hamlin's cardiac arrest on the COVID vaccine is wildly and irresponsibly speculative, says expert. Again, Asking the question is not saying it's true. It's simply asking the question. And you shouldn't be called wildly and irresponsibly speculative for simply asking the question. Just like everybody's asking questions right now. So if you read these articles, they are quite caustic and nasty. uh, And you're not allowed, as the net net here, to suggest in any way that the vaccine might have had something to do with what happened to DeMar Hamlin, or at least even consider it. And that is the clear message from corporate media. And in this case, what was extra troubling to me is I see this happening even in people who are sort of like old school liberals who are typically quite open-minded. And I generally agree with a lot of things they say and very logical, like for instance, uh, Professor Gad Sad, who I really respect and wrote a book about this exact phenomenon called the parasitic mind, which is about the very problem, and this is the byline of the book, infectious ideas killing common sense. That's the idea of the parasitic mind, this book. And I I read it. It was excellent. It's the byline of the book. Yet sad on this issue with uh, DeMar Hamlin himself said on Twitter, it was very insensitive, very much like the way the woke speak, right? Anytime you question them, you're full of hate. You're insensitive. It was very insensitive, Gad said, said, to advance anti-vax politics on the back of DeMar Hamlin's collapse. Presumably, I'm assuming Gad Sad noticed that people were asking the obvious question on social media about whether the vaccine might be related to DeMar Hamlin's cardiac arrest, which is to me, Gad Sad's actually an example of falling victim to the the phenomenon he lays out in his book, uh, In the Parasitic Mind. Because the actual rush to judgment so far is this explanation of commotio cordis or some kind of cardiac arrest event as the sole allowable explanation. And you are a bad person if you suggest anything else. Uh, And commotio cordis, again, which is the most dominant theory so far, is an event that has never happened in the NFL before, from what I can find. So to me, the infectious idea here, to use Gad Sad's words from his book, The Parasitic Mind, is commotio cordis. This infectious idea is what everyone's rushing to repeat mindlessly with no official proof. Not that there's no proof. I mean, there was a hit in the film, so it looks like it could be commotio cordis. But but we don't know for sure, and we don't know if it was complicated by something else, uh, pre-existing condition or myocarditis caused by the vaccine. I mean, we just we don't. It could be a combination of things. But anybody who challenges it, as Charlie Kirk found out, and I listened to him yesterday. He just happens to be another kind of pundit uh, on the radio, conservative. He sort of innocently, innocuously questioned whether the vaccine might have something to do with this. And he was just assailed. I think his tweet got 10 million views. And he was assailed for asking if this could be related to other athletes that seem to be having heart attacks on the field, which seems to be on the rise, which many believe is happening. And he and many others 
absolutely got lit up for asking the question. And I watched this go down on Monday night and Tuesday morning, and it's still happening today in earnest. Questioning the vaccine is one of those no-go zones. It might be the biggest no-go zone right now. But even many people I know on the right instantly said on Twitter, you're insensitive if you wonder about DeMar Hamlin's cardiac arrest. And if it might, if you wonder if it might just be related to the NFL's vaccine policy and a brand new experimental mRNA vaccine that we gave hundreds of millions of people, including people who didn't need it and still don't need it, like six-month-year-old babies, you're a horrible person for considering this question. And even though the number one side effect of this vaccine is myocarditis in young men, which ultimately means damage done to the heart tissue by the mRNA vaccine, we know this happens, which might, and I repeat might, contribute to a cardiac arrest that might have been prompted or instigated by a blow to the chest, or also known as commotio cordis. It could be some combination of this. Can we not even consider that the vaccine played a role as one potential explanation for what we saw, one potential route we should pursue in trying to get to the truth? And the answer, as you know, is no. And in concert, the entire media apparatus turns on and all questions must be silenced. People must be shamed. The sacred cow narrative of safe and effective uh, the safe and effective vaccine must be protected at all costs. Meanwhile, 85% of Americans won't take the vaccine boosters at this point. And you have to wonder why. If it's such a good idea to take it, and, and it is, according to the CDC and Dr. Fauci and Dr. Jill Biden and Rochelle Walensky, the director of the CDC, if it's such a good idea to take it, why are 85% of Americans rejecting taking it at this point? In any case... My point here is not to say, again, that I know the answer to what happened to Damar Hamlin. And as some have rightly pointed out, we may never know because we're so entrenched in our narratives that an honest investigation is seemingly impossible. And people won't accept what any good faith investigation might turn up because they don't believe a good faith investigation will ever happen. And why would they believe it? Because look what's happening already. Because there always seems to be an agenda lately. And that agenda is about anything but getting to the truth. And again, this podcast is not about me giving a hot take on Damar Hamlin's situation. I don't think hot takes are a good idea. I, I actually, when I see these events happen, I'm, I'm always hesitant to offer uh, a hot take because you're often wrong. I don't know what happened to, to Damar Hamlin, but neither does anyone else except maybe some doctors in the hospital that are working on him right now, or maybe they're still trying to figure that out. All we have at this point is speculation. But what I am offering is a hot take on this pattern that is developing in our culture, which I, again, find very troubling. Some event happens, a narrative is instantly formed, that instantly formed narrative becomes consensus throughout all corporate media, and any questioning of that narrative is grounds for being depersoned, canceled, destroyed, or maybe having your living stripped from you. And we just keep doing it. We keep repeating the pattern. And if you don't believe that, just quickly, just some quick examples, because uh, I just want to provide some evidence for what I'm saying. These are all these little trite, little pat explanations for what we're seeing about various news stories and events that get circulated that turn out to be not true later. And so here's just a, a number of them that get circulated. There are no questions ever allowed. Uh, and here is a number of those. Russian collusion. 
The charge uh, was in 2016, the election was stolen by Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin. They did a whole entire Mueller investigation, the special counselor. They turned up nothing. It was a scam. It was oppo research. And I don't care. I don't want to get too deep into politics here. I, I, I don't really like the Republican Party or the Democrat Party personally. But it was oppo research. We know that now. It was all made up. Uh, and so Russian collusion, though, at the time, if you questioned it, you were a treasonist. Um, you didn't want to get to the truth. Uh, here's another one. The COVID virus came from a bat in a wet market. Yeah, right. It, it, it didn't come from a bat in a wet market. Uh, even a Senate, Senate committee report recently indicated that it was likely a lab leak. Lab leak is the best explanation uh, that, that we have for what occurred. Uh, so at the Wuhan uh, high security uh, lab that was doing gain of function study on COVID down the street. So it didn't come from a bat in the wet market. But if you questioned that at the time, you were a conspiracy theorist. Here, here's another one. Uh, kind of similar to the 2016 election. The 2020 election, we were told, is the most secure election in history. Really. Right after we were told for four years the election was stolen. We were told this nonstop. It was stolen by Trump and Putin. And now we're told it's the most secure election ever. So it's amazing how these switches get turned. And if you question that, then you're an insurrectionist. Uh, here's another one. Systemic racism, we're t- we're DEI programs and critical race theory. Systemic racism is this blight on America. It's everywhere and it's nowhere. It's in every institution. It's in our laws. You can't see it. And there's no really specific example I'm going to give you, but I'm just going to say it exists. And if you don't agree, you're a racist. Uh, think about Black Lives Matter at the peak of BLM. If anyone suggested that all lives matter, I mean, even right now, just to say that, I mean, it is to, you will get piled on. And what if you suggested at the time that BLM is actually a very anti-male, it's very uh, pro-trans group. It doesn't even seem to be about black uh, uh, people. It seems like they all, all it really was about was black men that were murdered by cops. And they were just using those examples to, to gin up anger. But if you were to say at the time, any of this stuff, that BLM is a violent group, it's anti-family, uh, BLM is a violent group who instigated riots uh, and stupidly suggested we defund the police, you would be called a racist. You weren't allowed to ask questions. Uh, and these same sort of charges, you, you're insensitive if you ask the questions. You're insensitive if you suggest all lives matter. This is the same sort of charges that are thrown at people repeatedly or even being report, you know, thrown around right now. You're insensitive if you ask questions about what happened to Damar Hamlin. And so there is, again, this circle drawn around issues, and there are these no-go zones. You can't ask a question, and you're not allowed to interrogate the narratives. Here's just a couple more. Safe and effective. I've already talked about this. Safe and effective vaccines. How many times did we hear that? But they said it with no long-term data, but it's safe and effective. And if you question that or exercise some vaccine caution, you are an anti-vaxxer. And I mean, that one, we know so much more about the vaccine now, and we know that it's not safe for some people, and we know that it isn't that effective in a, in a lot of ways. Uh, we see people getting COVID over and over and over. Uh, it doesn't stop transmission. So it, 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 was, it was wrong, uh, and we know that now. But if you asked a question about it, you were an anti-vaxxer, and you just got grouped in with that big group of supposed anti-vax conspiracy theorists. One more. I mentioned it already, but I just want to point it out one more time. January 6th is an insurrection. We were told many policemen died. Our country almost fell. 
This is what we were told. And at the time, if you disagreed with any of this in that frenzied moment, if you asked questions as they were wrapping the Capitol in eight-foot gates and putting the army, 25,000 National Guard around it, they would call you an insurrectionist. You're an enemy of the state. If you point out that Ashley Babbitt is the only actual death caused by violence that day, shot by a Capitol policeman who had a spotty record and that she's a military veteran, I'm not saying what she did was good and I'm not saying that what she did, what happened wasn't partly Uh, due to what was going on there and what she was a part of, what I'm saying is if you ask any questions, if you vet this in any way, you're an insurrectionist. And you may just have a visit from the FBI because you've committed the sin of questioning the consensus establishment narrative. Here's here's just one more. Trans women are women. Therefore, women can't even have their own sports. They can't have their own bathrooms because trans women are women. End of discussion. And you're a transphobe if you don't agree. This is what I mean by these establishment consensus opinions that you cannot ask questions about. And if you, if you were to ask a question about trans women or women, that statement, you are a phobe. You're a bad person. And this same pattern repeats over and over and over. Again, an event happens, an emergent narrative is formed, it instantly becomes establishment consensus throughout all corporate media. The symbols go up on people's socials, the flags, the masks, the hypodermic needles, whatever they might be, right? The Black Lives Matter symbols. And they indicate that, you know, I'm one of the people that is infected with the mind virus and I'm on board with the establishment narrative and we just see this keep repeating. Any questioning of the often flimsy, rushed narrative, consensus narrative, is grounds for being depersoned, canceled, or destroyed, and and sometimes losing your living, losing your ability to earn, is stripped from you. And here's the most frightening part. In every situation I've mentioned, it turned out the consensus narrative, the infectious idea, the frenzy that was taking over everybody, the infectious idea that was taking over everybody's mind, the establishment narrative we were all told to accept at the time, in every case, over time, it is revealed to be largely wrong, if not totally wrong, almost every single time. Every single time, the few people asking questions during the frenzy who were often destroyed, canceled, depersoned for asking questions. And again, I brought her up a million times, but CMO Jennifer Say of Levi's always comes to mind, who simply questioned COVID policy regarding children uh, and, and, and how we were handling children, locking them down, putting masks on them, and just asking some questions out loud on social media. She lost her job at Levi's for doing so. These people, like Jennifer Say, that asked questions, they were right. The consensus, narr- consensus narratives turned out to be flawed. They turned out to be outright lies in a lot of cases that infectiously took over the mind of the masses. But far from learning anything about this repeated mistake, this repeated pattern, we keep making it. We keep turning the gun back on the people who ask the questions. And it seems to me more and more people are being swept into this madness of crowds as Douglas Murray calls it. It's a great book, by the way, Madness of Crowds. I highly recommend it. And even people I have tremendous respect for are being swept into this. Like I said, uh, why is this happening? Why do we keep repeating this pattern? And why do more and more people seem to be getting swept up into these misguided stampedes to hasty conclusions, often pretty much always given to us by the elite establishment media that almost always turn out to be wrong. 
And my answer to that question is that something spiritually evil is happening. Because I noticed that rationality isn't even enough to keep people from running with the next thing, the next herd event. Uh, Even if they're running towards a cliff and will end up hurting themselves in the frenzy, they'll run right off it. As a society, we charge ahead like a herd of spooked cows, stampeding ahead regardless of new information, regardless of logic, regardless of evidence. We seem to be immune to rationality and unable to pause to have a conversation and ask questions about anything that we're being told. And the corporate media seems to be prompting these manias and promoting these simplistic narratives and then quashing any questions about them when they don't stand up to common sense. It's like a spell is falling over people and it's getting worse. And this is why I say I believe it is spiritual. And this spiritual force, this spirit of the age is shutting down critical thinking and it's shutting down questions. And I, it, it's not good. It's not positive. I think it's indicative that something very dark is happening. And so why do I say that? Because the shutting down of legitimate questions is the tactic of tyrants. It is the tactic of someone who has something to hide. It's the tactic of someone with an agenda, and probably not a good agenda at that. Shutting down questions is also the tactic or the strategy of someone who has a weak position. Whereas the willingness to answer questions, to not shame people with questions, shows a position of strength because it gives you the chance to present your case when someone questions you. You get to present evidence to the people with questions. You get to interrogate your own ideas. So you don't fear questions, you invite them. And it also shows that you are in pursuit of the truth when you encourage questions, not defending your prior position or hastily circling the wagons around some fact or some possibility you would prefer people don't consider or discover. So I think it shows a position of strength when you encourage questions in in, in your theory, in your idea. Uh, I talked about that in my book, Collaborate or Die. Um, That's why I say this feels spiritual, what's happening, this quashing of questions, this uh, choking off of inquiry. It feels evil. And let me offer one other proof that something spiritually nefarious is at work. It's this sudden rise, and it really is pretty sudden, of just total censorship in America. You know, this is a country founded. It's your number one right, first and foremost, for you to speak your mind. The first and most important right is to say what you believe, right? You have the right to do that. No one can take it from you. It's guaranteed in the Bill of Rights. It's the first right, not the second, not the third, not the fourth. It's the first. And all of a sudden, we're told we need to fear open dialogue. We need to suppress speech. We need to shame people that have questions. We need to shut people up. And we do this by name-calling, deplatforming, and threatening people's livelihood, like I said. But also we do this by labeling any unwanted questions and people who violate the no-go zones and persist in asking questions. We label their thoughts, and you've heard this a lot lately, misinformation and disinformation. Now, think about misinformation and disinformation for a second. Why are these labels suddenly arising? Why now? I mean, the wild west of the internet, where information flows in all directions with almost no real moderation, has been around for 25 years or longer, right? Or 30 years, something like that. And we never had these terms, misinformation, quote unquote, and disinformation, quote unquote, before. 
Why suddenly now? I mean, if you think about it, Twitter was a free-for-all since its inception around 2008 or something like that, as are most social media platforms until very recently. Now we're seeing the clamps come down from government on social media everywhere all at once. Uh, Or it's coming from Silicon Valley itself, from the corporations who seem to be in bed with the government. And, you know, the proof of that is the Twitter files, obviously, or the Hunter Biden laptop story that Zuckerberg uh, admitted on Joe Rogan. He was asked specifically by the FBI to suppress the Hunter Biden laptop story and because it was supposedly Russian disinformation, which, of course, it wasn't. It was real. Why is all this censorship emerging now? What's changed? Were people only sharing perfectly true information in the past on the Internet? Of course not. Bad information has always existed and always will. But we didn't feel the need, especially in America, to censor and deplatform people or label it misinformation or disinformation so we can have a pretext for deplatforming people. We didn't do that. So what is going on? And to me, the simple explanation is we are being lied to and we are being propagandized to such an extent the deception is so obvious at this point that the only option left is to try to silence all dissenters by labeling them insensitive, evil, to socially stigmatize them and cancel them. And if that doesn't work, call them basically an enemy of the state, a purveyor of misinformation and disinformation. Therefore, they are a danger to the public and they must be censored and deplatformed. That's the logic. To engage in asking legitimate questions about any of the topics I've raised today, especially at the time that those establishment consensus narratives were put forward, whether it was BLM narratives or Russian collusion, most secure election in history, January 6th was an insurrection, safe and effective vaccines, to challenge any of these narratives, including the new Damar Hamlin narrative of cardiac arrest that definitely has nothing to do with a certain vaccine, but is obviously commotio cordis or a cardiac arrest event that has nothing to do with the vax is to risk having an honest discussion, right? And the corporate media is not about to allow that to happen. The lies must be protected. Therefore, they need to stop us from asking questions. They need to get us to simply adopt their consensus narrative that they give us. And if you don't, you risk being destroyed socially or being deplatformed. I think that is what is happening. We are just immersed in lies. And the First Amendment, uh, be damned. The truth, be damned. This is what I mean. There are more and more questions, and that's what the point of this whole podcast was, that you simply can't ask. It's just too dangerous. The house of cards is too precarious, I think, for the establishment. The web of lies are too complicated to untangle or defend. And more and more people seem to be getting swept into the next consensus establishment narrative, even those I would consider fair-minded, not even aware that they're being swept into this. Now, you might say, Brett, aren't you just doing that yourself? You're being swept into the anti-vax take on what happened to DeMar Hamlin, the anti-vax explanation. And my answer to that is no. I'm saying I don't know. But I do think mRNA vaccines have to be on the table as a consideration or possibility until proven otherwise. It's clear there is a problem with these rushed experimental shots, and, and we, we know that now. 
Uh, that doesn't make me insensitive, by the way. And this is another thing I want to take on. That doesn't make me insensitive or anybody who's questioning it is not insensitive or uncaring for, un- for challenging the narrative, as many people are, including well-known doctors. It's quite the opposite. Open inquiry is the most caring position to take. Because if we're injecting young athletes with an experimental vaccine that they don't need to take that might occasionally, very occasionally, lead to a cardiac arrest event or myocarditis, et cetera, which might contribute to a cardiac arrest event, uh, and we don't collectively force, if we know this, and we don't collectively force our ABC health agencies, our legislatures, and big pharma to address this known possibility, well, then we're guaranteeing that more harm could come to these very same athletes that, 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 we came, that we claim to care about. We claim to care about these athletes, right? And that's not caring or loving at all. That's actually insensitive. That's uncaring. We need to do an honest and open investigation of these vaccines, in my opinion, rather than shut down the conversation, which is what we're doing. So I reject this narrative that it's wrong to ask questions about Uh, these consensus opinions that emerge that we're being told we must accept about subject after subject and event after event, like the Damar Hamlin consensus narrative that has instantly emerged of commotio cordis or some cardiac event that has no relation to the vax. And I reject those who would say it is wrong to raise the question of what exactly happened to Damar Hamlin and what is happening in athletes that have taken the vaccine. There seems to be a problem. But is there? Are we really going to say that it's beyond the pale to even ask that question? That is what is actually uncaring, I would argue. And dare I say evil. Not the asking of questions, but not being able to ask questions at all. Gaslighting people and suggesting they're indecent for asking obvious questions that occur to to one's mind. Especially when so many of these establishment narratives, like I talked about, all these establishment consensus consensus narratives we've been told have been proven dead wrong. That is gaslighting. That, to me, is what is evil. And so back to why I see the quashing of legitimate questions as indicative of something quite dark happening on a spiritual level in America and in the the world. The shutting down of questions does not come from a positive place. And this is where I kind of want to wrap up. It comes from a repressive place. Uh, The adversary would like the truth to stay in the dark because the truth will set you free, as Jesus said. Seeking the truth, uh, and and the only way to do that is is with questions, right? We have to ask questions, is almost always a positive thing. I mean, I actually would say it is always a positive thing. It can be painful, but it's always positive. And And it says something bad about our nation and our culture when consistently we try to shut inquiry down, as we are seeing in the DeMar Hamlin case. A little side story. I just want to tell this little anecdote and we'll wrap up here. Um, An old friend called yesterday uh, who had been going through some really tough times years ago and still is. She is a super talented artist and long ago we were very close and and I won't give any details away because I don't have permission and so I won't uh, give away details. But she let me know she was wrestling with some pretty huge questions in her life about who she was. Um, And it's just super sensitive stuff. So again, I'm keeping it quiet as to what the details were. But I remember the time saying to her, and this is a really touchy, tender conversation. I remember saying this. I said, I pray for you that God would show you the truth about this issue, that you would seek the truth from him on, on this. Ask him. 
Well, this is what's so interesting. I'm writing this podcast, and yesterday, as I'm writing this podcast about the need to be able to ask questions uh, in society in order to seek the truth, (laughs) this person, this old friend randomly calls me, and guess what she's been doing? Seeking the truth and asking questions. She's in the thick of the fight, like trying to get to the bottom of some of these questions we started talking about eight, nine years ago. And she's going through some really tough, heavy stuff as she seeks the truth. But you know what I sensed in her? was this new life, this new energy and excitement that by pursuing the truth, she was on this energizing adventure. Uh, Though the journey had been painful and continues to be, the truth sounded like, it sounded like someone being set free. And of course, I, I'm, I'm writing about that very issue on this podcast when she calls, and we have this amazing conversation, which was so encouraging to me, and shows how God works in the most amazing way, ways. You know, an answered prayer many, many, many years later, maybe a decade later. But can you relate to that? Can you relate to this idea that pursuing the truth has this cleansing, freeing effect? It's the feeling of weight coming off your shoulders and a sense of freedom. And conversely, what are lies? Well, they're shackles. We get stuck in them. Keeping the truth suppressed, that stops our progress as people and we get mired in the lies and deception, right? When we try to keep that stuff in the dark. No wonder Jesus said the truth will set you free. What a great statement. And it's a saying that's all over our universities in America. Of course, Our universities don't practice this saying anymore because they've gone woke and they've become ideological. But most people probably don't even know that Jesus said those words, but they are such powerful, life-giving words. There's just life inside of the text in the Bible, and Jesus' words are full of life. I mean, he actually says that what I tell you, I'm going to give you life that springs up to eternity. It's, It's just... His words are amazing. So to just to end here, I don't know what happened to Damar Hamlin. Uh, I don't know if we'll ever know, to be honest, but I don't think, and this is the point of the podcast, that asking questions is ever wrong or insensitive or always politically motivated as the media is telling us. I think open inquiry of what we're being told, which journalists used to practice, is not only good for the country, it's what sets us free as people, both corporately together, right, as a nation. This is what can set us free, the truth, and personally in our own lives. And yet, on so many of these issues like mRNA vaccines, to move forward without dragging the lies, the mistakes, whatever you want to call them, but I think a lot of times it's lies, into the light is to actually not move forward at all. Like a dysfunctional family, right? And we've all got families and we know how this works. Like a dysfunctional family that buries the truth, right? And allows a lie to persist in the family, that family can't heal. We are struggling to heal as a country, as as one big family, as a nation, because we aren't dealing with the truth. And we're shutting down the questions that would lead to the truth, that would would satisfy people uh, with answers. And that, to me, that comes from the evil one who would like us to stay enslaved to lies and not to come into the light, not to come into the truth, as Jesus said, because it would set us free. We need to keep asking questions, even if they reveal painful things and we have to do some painful accounting once the truth comes to light. It's the only positive way to move forward. So prayers up for Damar Hamlin. Let's all pray for a total recovery for him and his family right now. Let's pray that God would allow also, though, 
the light of truth to penetrate the darkness, whatever that truth may be. We, we need to be open to it and we need to have an honest inquiry about it. Thanks for joining me today. I'm Brett Craig and that's The Big Picture.